Welcome to the 10 Days Out edition of On Iowa Politics on Friday, January 24th, 2020. This week, the caucuses, impeachments, and rogue elephants. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Jeff. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, state of the race. As I said, we're 10 days out from the caucuses, so I guess we should know what to expect. Oh, if we only knew. Todd, the, <laughs> <laughs> was there a time when you thought we'd never get to this point? Uh, well, we yeah, that's the only thing certain was that time would march on, and eventually we'd this would all be over, and the the jet contrails going toward New Hampshire would, would yeah. you know, on, on Tuesday morning. But, yeah. Well, now they've got that Granite Express. It's a, I know. I saw that. Yeah. Special flight out of Des Moines on Monday night. Um, that, you can even drop your luggage off somewhere, and they'll take it to the airport. Yeah. I, I almost want to book a, get on that flight because... You know, it's going to be a combination of people who are just completely wiped out and trying to sleep and people who are, like, in full party mode. And then you're probably going to have some people who are still filing their stories. So it, it's going to be a story in itself, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a, just, you know, well-dressed refugees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there have been, certainly been some twists and turns along the way, candidates getting into the race and dropping out, issues that came and went. Um, for the most part, though, it's been pretty civil, at least the back and forth between the candidates, uh, President Donald Trump and the Republican National Committee and Hillary Clinton seem to be trying to stir things up. But now that we're down to the point where we can count the days remaining without taking off our shoes, um, Todd, is the, the debate in the final days of the caucus campaign going to be a, about Social Security, which somehow seems fitting for Iowa? and uh, whether a woman can be president and whether anybody likes Bernie Sanders? Yeah, I think it's going to get uh, maybe a little less civil as, as we get towards zero hour. I, you've already seen Sanders go after Biden and Biden shoot back, and you've got the Social Security issue coming up, uh, which is always a big issue for Democrats. You know, who, who's going to be okay with making dire changes uh, and who who will fight against them tooth and nail? And uh, yeah, you've got the electability thing still in the background uh, with with uh, Elizabeth Warren and, and Sanders. Sort of, although they joined arms the other day, so that right. that means all's forgiven, but probably not really. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this you know which issues this is going to be fought on. You're seeing a resurgence this week in the. In the Amy Klobuchar is a terrible boss narrative, some of that has has come up again as we saw. I mean, it's been months ago that that was a topic, and now it's it's back again as she's as as you know some folks fear that maybe she's getting a little bit of traction at the end. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 good. It's it, you know you've got this knot at the front with all of these folks that have a plausible path to victory, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna see them and probably their surrogates. Uh, doing some pushing and shoving, trying to make some room. Speaking of terrible bosses, I mean, would you rather work for Amy Klobuchar or Donald Trump? I mean, <laughs> well, speaking of terrible bosses, <laughs> that's a that's kind of a, it's not a very good choice. No, <laughs> um, whether they like him or not, everybody knows Joe Joe Biden. That is, and and this week, uh, New York. Times columnist David Brooks wrote, 
Nobody makes an individual connection as well as Biden in a time when people feel exhausted, isolated, and alienated. A candidate who seems normal and emotionally relatable is going to have a lot of appeal. Amy, uh, when you think about all that's gone on in this Democratic race, Sanders and Warren uh, sparring uh, that seems to damage both of them, Buttigieg's problems with African-Americans, Klobuchar's boss problems and inability to break out despite being everybody's favorite to break out, and Tom Steyer's fashion-questionable ties. Will uh, Biden's name recognition, his moderate, some say milquetoast approach and history in Iowa be enough to pull off a caucus night win? Um, is he the normal sort of comfortable old shoe that caucus goers will slip on? Oh, he's got that plaid tie that he wears. It must be the only tie he has. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. Matches his belt. Yeah. (laughs) Not really, but. It goes with his belt. Compliments it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) He has questionable accessories. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think you're right to call Biden a comfortable shoe. I mean, honestly, he is. He's he's nobody's favorite. I mean, he probably is a couple people's favorite candidate, and there's some of my heart energized Biden supporters out there. But he, I don't talk to a lot of them. You know, obviously, for the most part, moderate voters are sort of settling for him as a solid known quantity. You know, that's going to be the Trump antidote with the fewest side effects, basically. Um, but I think his, his campaign strategy in that way is, is really solid. You know, he's rallying those voters to come out with the threat of, you know, a Trump victory in these uh, other states if they don't, you know, if it, he can point to these poll numbers when they've done polling in primary states where where Biden beats Trump, um, you know, by at least a few points, if not more. Um, so, But that's also likely because he has the most name recognition, honestly. So, I mean, if Warren or Buttigieg does well or pulls off a surprise upset, for example, you know, those numbers could easily change and then you could see the primary as anybody's game. But I think the other benefit voters like is really Biden's extensive experience, um, you know, with legislators in the White House, around the world. So he's really also hammering that pretty hard here in the home stretch. And speaking of electability and who can beat Donald Trump, the president and Vice President Mike Trump, uh, Pence uh, have scheduled Iowa visits. Um, odd timing, I guess, that they just happen to be coming so close to each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Todd, who benefits from this? Um, does this fire up Republican base, uh, get people to turn out for the caucuses, or, or does it fire up the Democratic base and remind them what they're fighting against? Well, I think I think it's designed to sort of fire up the Republican base and, and come to the state and, and remind them, you know, what's at stake. And uh, he's got high approval ratings among our Republicans, so I think that's he's he wants to remind them that there's a caucus on their side too, and that a show of support would be would be a good boost for him. Uh, you know, we've seen this before. I I was thinking back to to '96 when Bill Clinton uh, came into Iowa right before the the 1996 caucuses, and you had a sort of a field where you had Bob Dole was kind of the establishment guy, and uh, uh, the uh, Lamar Alexander was running then, and and Steve Forbes kind of came in at the end with his flat tax, and he was going to stab the tax code to death and bury it behind the barn or something. I can't remember exactly what his line was, but uh, so you had you had sort of a divided 
one party divided among ideology, the establishment. Pat Buchanan was running. He was kind of the conservative firebrand. So you had an uncertain caucus with lots of ideological rifts. And then you had this president come in and remind everyone what it's like when the president visits and how much media attention you get and big crowds and huge arenas. And so I think that's what Trump is trying to do is, is remind everybody who's the president, remind Republicans that he's got a caucus too. And, uh, and, but on the other hand, you're right. I mean, Democrats are going to, this is going to be a good example for, you know, a good time for them to point and say, well, there's the enemy. So let's, maybe we, you know, should put aside our differences and keep our eyes on the prize. But, you know, I, I don't know that that'll work. <laughs> of course, there's another uh, news story going on, uh, and that's the impeachment trial in the Senate. Um, I'm sure everyone's glued to their TVs every night watching the, the drama play out. Uh, putting it on during prime time and, and later may not have been such a great idea because it's not exactly must-see TV uh, besides our college basketball on. And would you rather watch Adam Schiff, Chuck Schumer, and Mitch McConnell or a bench-clearing brawl at a Kansas-Kansas State basketball game? At the bar I was at the other night, there were more people watching women's racquetball on TV than the impeachment trial. So I... I it's easier to tell what's going on with the sound off. Yes. <laughs> you, do you mean tennis or, or racquetball? Was it racquetball. Yes, racquetball. <laughs> I had never seen that on TV before. A lot of sports channels now. Yes. <laughs> on the other hole was the on the other channel was probably the American Cornhole Championship. Yeah, something like that. Pickleball. Pickleball. Yeah. I mean, we're. I mean, I guess if your yeah. choices are watching the Senate uh, try to stay awake or pickleball. I'm probably with the pickleball folks. Anyway, former GOP campaign strategist Rick Wilson has a new book out in which he calls Impeachment Donald Trump's Re-Election Insurance. And, um, Todd, I think we've established or it's been established that Trump has no shame. So isn't being impeached but not removed the best outcome for him in terms of re-election? Well, not not being removed is, is good for his re-election, I think. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't, you know, part of the issue here is that we, we're going through this saga and it hasn't really moved the needle much on public opinion. The people who like Trump still like Trump. The people who want him gone still want him gone. So by that token, I don't know that this makes a huge amount of difference. I don't think, I'm, I'm not sure that there's a lot of people who were sort of in the middle that are now like, oh, I'm, I'm rallying to the president now after all this. I don't, I don't really think that's, that's happening. So it may be that this is basically comes the fight ends in a draw, and then everybody goes on with the next several months of the general election, which are going to be just incredibly expensive and nasty, and 16 other things will pop up between now and then that, you know, may, yeah. may make us forget about impeachment. So I, I'm not sure that it's decisive one way or the other. It's never good for a president to have, you know, a, you know, a large, you know, daily TV show basically outlining all of the malfeasance that he's perpetrated. So I, I, I'm not sure how that can be a positive. I understand where, uh, you know, the book writers are coming from. They got to have, you know, maybe one of those counterintuitive arguments that makes, that's interesting. But yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced that being acquitted and being impeached and being acquitted is, is necessarily a great thing for Trump. It certainly gives both uh, parties uh, sort of a storyline going into the election, you know, that, uh, you know, this president has been impeached or, you know, look, the Senate, I'm sure uh, for Trump, it'll be that he was cleared of all wrongdoing. If, <laughs> if he's not removed, yeah. he's been exonerated, you know. Yeah. 
And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear more about it, I'm sure, uh, as the campaign goes on. Amy, you said you wanted to talk about rogue Republicans, and you covered both Steve King and, and uh, presidential hopeful Joe Walsh. Absolutely. Uh, when you talk about rogue Republicans, is that who you had in mind? Absolutely, yes, yes. It's interesting because um, they're, they're both going rogue, in my opinion, in different ways. So, so for example, and, and when I say Joe Walsh, by the way, not the Eagles guitarist, just so you know. Oh, it's, thanks it's for clearing that up. Oh. Joe Walsh. <laughs> well, that totally not changes what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, former U.S. Representative Joe Walsh um, He's sort of he's running uh, along with Bill Weld, former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, against Trump. Um, these guys aren't polling very well. You know, two to three percent was the last time they even bothered to poll in October. Um, but you know, Walsh is interesting. He became a never Trump guy after Trump, you know, had the Helsinki summit and seemed to believe Putin over his own intelligence agencies. Um, and so that was really when you know Walsh said, you know, that was the last straw for me. Um, and so now, you know, the guy. Walsh used to really troll Obama, was a birther, you know, believed he was a secret Muslim and that sort of thing. And now he trolls Trump on Twitter almost as much as he used to troll Obama. You know, he said Trump's fake news. He agrees he should be impeached and even jailed. So I'm not sure that's winning him a ton of voters. You know, he, he again, he was, you know, not polling great in October. They haven't polled since. Um, but it'll be interesting it's, to see if, if he, as well as uh, Bill Weld, managed to pull delegates away in the Republican caucuses. Um, even a couple would be really interesting. I think you would really see a, an interesting narrative coming out of the Iowa caucuses if they do. And then uh, Steve King, you know, I, I went into the Grundy Center town hall, you know, just to to see w- what kind of things were, were being done. And this isn't a campaign stop quite yet. Um, King was pretty clear that it was a congressional stop. He didn't really do any campaigning at all. He basically talked about um, what was happening with the trade agreements, what was happening with Iran, that sort of thing. Um, of course, his supporters showed up, and there were some people that were detractors, but everybody was really civil. You know, he was talking with, um, you know, this uh, young woman who had just graduated from UNI, who would describe herself to me as a Democrat, and said she was actually the lone person at his last town hall, and they just had a whole back-and-forth dialogue. She wanted to show up again and keep asking him questions, and he was game. I mean, he knew her by name. They treated each other civilly. At the end of it, they both said, you know, they were excited for the dialogue. So I think that was really interesting to see um, maybe Steve King calming down or at least trying to moderate his message going into this very divisive primary that he's facing. Well, and and Todd, that's kind of the sort of thing that uh, Steve King likes is that sort of back and forth where um, he doesn't have to get nasty. I mean, he can can be sort of – um, and some people won't believe this, but he can seem sort of scholarly in his yeah. debating. Uh, well, uh, yeah, when he was state senator, he would travel around the state and, and debate people over uh, LGBTQ rights. He, he would, they'd stage these debates in, you know, college, I think like Dort College had one or something like that in Northwest Iowa, and there were some others. In fact, I think I remember I was covering him one time, and he – he scheduled one of those debates on like his 25th wedding anniversary, <laughs> so that's you know, not a good plan. His wife didn't seem to mind, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's he does like that sort of back and forth. But uh, well, that was the hard part of interviewing him too. Was that when you asked him a question, he wanted to debate it rather than just yeah. answer it. And it's like, no, no, I'm not here to debate you. Uh, you know, I'm 
I'm just trying to write a story. Uh, <laughs> so, but Todd, I've heard rogue elephants can be dangerous and cause a lot of damage. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, nowadays there's so many rogue elephants that it's almost refreshing to see one that isn't. And uh, I mean, King. The problem for King is that he was he's kind of a rogue ele- elephant without uh, a venue for being rogue. He didn't he didn't get any committee assignments. He missed out on being on the on the Judiciary Committee when the in the House when they handled impeachment. I'm sure he would have relished that role and and didn't get a didn't get a chance yeah. to do it. So yeah, I mean it's uh, he's a he's a rogue elephant looking for a place to go rogue, I guess. And maybe I just um, have missed it, but it doesn't seem like he's on TV as much as he used to on, you know, like Fox, Fox News. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, I think all of this— Maybe he's still on. I just and I haven't seen him. I think when he ran afoul of the Republican leadership and stuff, I think it kind of, you know, it damaged his brand a little bit, even, even you know, on the in, in right-wing media, at least, you know, the— what passes for mainstream <laughs> Fair and balanced. Yeah, you know. In the fair Fox and balanced. News. Yep. Well, finally, if you had to choose, where would you prefer to be quarantined? In Wuhan, China, where the coronavirus is infecting people, or the U.S. Senate? Amy? Either one of those sound attractive? <laughs> oh, definitely the Senate. I would, I would go to the Senate in a heartbeat just to, to see it. It's historic what's happening right now. Todd? Well, you know, I read that you can... You like Chinese food? Well, that's the thing. You, I read that you can only get what? You can get, like, water and milk in the Senate. That's all they allow you to have. I don't know. It, China sounds sounds pretty good. Little little cuisine, little, you know, okay. local flavor. I can wear a face mask if I can get my hands on one. Uh, a lot of if, if Todd's not here next week, you'll know why. Although, if I needed to get some sleep, the Senate would definitely be where I would want to be. Very comfortable. Yeah, I saw that... Uh, uh, Chuck Grassley is uh, sleeping in until 7.20 in the morning Wow! Uh, so he can stay up late uh, for the, the Senate trials. Well, staying up late for you-know-what. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to also say that as part of our caucus night coverage at the Gazette, we're inviting people to share their caucus experience. So after caucusing, go to thegazette.com slash mycaucus and send us a message about your thoughts at and after the caucuses, what happened, what worked, what didn't, and anything else you'd like to share. Again, that's thegazette.com slash mycaucus. That's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the homepages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Paleo will take us out today. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Along the side of the bow, lucky waves, we live out in the clouds who stir and spill on the wind, whipped moon like a cuticle rune. Filed away and never read by the wind 
in her swoon for her bloom, bearing womb, every kiss was her wish for rain, but the rain would go mad, become snow, with a laugh, a long, long island sound. Where the icebergs conspire Just like barbs on a wire A long, long island A long, long island A long, long island sound Do I bring out the worst In the ocean? Why do the waves spell out your name? A long, long island, a long, long island, a long, long island sound. And our cats will escape, they will go look for their mate. A long, long island sound Where the skies are all scraped By our empire state A long, long island A long, long island 